1: is all about why you need audio marketing in your business. And I'm super excited to have a amazing guest and a special friend, Tina Dietz. Let me tell you all about her because she's got an amazing bio. She's an award winning and internationally acclaimed speaker, audiobook publisher, podcast producer, and content marketing expert. She's been featured in all sorts of media outlets ABC, Inc., HuffPost, Forbes. She's got a podcast, Start Something Show, and she was named Inc. Magazine as one of the top 35 podcasts for entrepreneurs. Her company, Start Something Creative, Business Solution, connects leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts with larger audiences, resulting in expanded influence and income. Welcome, Tina. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else would you like to add to the introduction?
2: Oh, you know what? That sounds pretty good to me. She sounds pretty cool. Thanks, Nancy. (laughs)
1: She is amazing. I can't believe she agreed to be on this show, huh?
2: I know, right?
1: Hey, tell us about your time between the U.S. and Costa Rica. I left that part out, but that's pretty cool.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Uh, About almost five years ago now, my family and I decided that uh, we were going to sell our house and most of our stuff and take our kids and move to Costa Rica without ever having been there. And we had done our research, mind you, but we had never actually had uh, boots on the ground as it were. And it, it completely changed the, the course of our lives, you know, it, that people talk about freedom and that is what we were out to create and, and that's what we did. And that one decision uh, getting us out of debt and changing how we owned our time really snowballed into me being able to have the company that I have today as well as my husband being able to leave corporate and pursue an entirely new career in, uh, in helping to save the planet.
1: That is amazing. I got to go to Costa Rica, and I went to a Pura Vida party. Did you get to go to one of those?
2: Oh, Pura Vida. Everybody, it's it's so funny. We got to Costa Rica, and Pura Vida is the national saying for those who don't know that, and it basically means pure life. And the first people besides, like, the airport staff to say Pura Vida to us were a couple of police officers who were... I just was like, okay, we are not in Kansas anymore. We are not in the states, and <laughs> the cops are like, "Por vida!" Uh, so it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. And actually, we are in the midst of developing a community down there with our uh, friends. And uh, I'm a member of the Evolutionary Business Council, and uh, we have a, a development down there called Vista Mundo.
1: Vista Mundo. So the uh, the view of the world.
2: View of the world. Exactly.
1: Very cool. Well, let's yeah. jump right into audio marketing. Just for people who have never heard that term, can you kind of level set everybody what that means, what is involved What is involved with audio marketing?
2: Sure, exactly. Audio is a very flexible medium, and it's been with us for a long time. Of course, it predates the Internet. It predates television. It goes back to radio, and before that, it goes back to telling, storytelling and spoken word and and even the stories you'll hear about you know, decades or more than 100 years ago, people who traveled from town to town, they were, they were really valued because they could tell you the news. And so much is of our history as, as humanity has been delivered to us and passed down to us by oral tradition, not just written history. So what we're doing with audio marketing is not new in the sense of being trendy or being a fad there's just new ways of delivering audio, it's always been something that we've been hungry for as people. And and that transcends age, gender, technology, culture, race, anything. We're all kind of hardwired to love story and to listen to stories. And that's what makes audio so powerful. So in today's day and age, when I'm talking about audio marketing, we're really including everything from teleclasses to audiobooks, podcasts, and uh, any other format that we can actually squeeze audio into. But those are the major ones.
1: That totally makes sense. So what's the difference between a podcast, a video podcast, and radio and online radio? One of my friends says she's got a radio show, but it's not like she's driving into a studio and recording. So can you clarify some of those different terms?
2: Yeah. Some of it's marketing terms. Sometimes it's really the same thing. Uh, Sometimes it's not. Okay, so (laughs) I'll clarify a little bit. So a podcast by strict definition is any episodic episodic, 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 we'll go with episodic content that uh, goes out over the internet and is available through multiple platforms usually on a free basis. So when we think of podcasts today, we're thinking of on-demand, audio mostly, radio shows. And they're accessible through platforms like iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Those are the, kind of the big three. Now, a video podcast is the same thing, except that it's viewable on video as well as you can listen to it. Uh, now, most podcasts are audio only. However, it is getting more and more popular, particularly a lot of the folks that I work with who also want to be taking advantage of video to do uh, what I have started to call dual casting. Um, I need to put a little like TM after that or something. (laughs) And that is where when you create your podcast, you record in both video and audio, and then the audio goes out through the platforms I just mentioned, and the video gets posted onto mostly YouTube and then uh, you are able to benefit from multiple platforms and also reap the benefits of the search engine optimization. That is, brilliant. And there was another one, radio. Yeah. Radio. Uh, radio. So some folks still um, are being broadcasted over terrestrial radio. Those stations still exist. So some folks do have relationships with radio stations that then broadcast their content. A few shows, a few stations still, you will go into the station and you will record your show there. However, most of them you record at home and then you send in your content and then the radio will use your content uh, and and broadcast it out. It's actually kind of funny because a lot of the radio stations have not learned how to leverage their content nearly as well as podcasters have.
1: So what was the term you called it before when you do video and audio at the same time, the TM, the trademark? Oh, I call it dual
2: casting, D-U-A-L casting. That's
1: perfect because
2: yeah.
1: I hate d- doing videos because I always feel like I'm on the spot when I go down to my basement and I have to do so many takes just to get it right. But when I'm doing an, a podcast, how easy would it be just to turn on the screen? <laughs> so I'm going to really check into that. That's pretty cool. What are your specialties besides radio is audiobook and when i say that i mean that you know about radio and all but you really specialize right now in audiobooks when people are authors should they think about audiobooks right at the start or after they've got their book published when's the right time for that
2: in an ideal world it's when you have got your your first manuscript just about ready to go to the editor this is my favorite time to catch somebody because I always recommend that they do something called an oral edit. Now an oral edit is when you take your manuscript and you read it out loud. Most folks will proofread or they'll even send their manuscript out to beta readers who may be you know, colleagues or clients to read through. But very rarely does anyone ever think to read their book out loud. And this is super powerful because you will catch things when you're reading out loud that your eye will simply skim over. You'll also catch those areas where you can make your narrative far more conversational. And that's extremely important whether we're reading the written word or we're listening to the written word, because that creates a relationship with your reader. So that's my favorite place to catch someone, because then they can make those changes before sending it on to their editor. And then that kind of carries through when we create the audiobook to create a super quality, very conversational, very intimate experience in the audiobook process. However, that being said, it's also a very common for my clients to come to me to give a book that may have had, let's say, not as powerful as a launch as they wanted it to the first time, and they want to generate an audiobook to give that book new life and have a second launch with the same amount of content because they spent so much time and energy on that book, now they want to leverage it in a new way, particularly since audiobooks. Uh, over the last five years, have just been continuing to grow and grow and grow with double-digit, double-digit every year um, sales numbers on top of each other.
1: I love audiobooks because it lets me be productive driving and listening at the same time. In your experience, do you feel every book is a candidate for an audiobook?
2: Not really every book, a lot of books. And even some of the books that have come to us, that have required what's called audio editing, have ended up being really great in audio format. So for example, uh, when we did the book, Mass Influence by Teresa de Cuebois, she's one of the world's leading experts on influence and how to build influence and uh, movement. And her book had a lot of exercises in it for people to consider. Well, you can go back to her website and download those exercises for free, and we made sure people knew that inside the book. But then we also translated those exercises from the written word into something that pe- could, people could follow along with while they're listening at the same time and kind of work through it without having to stop and write things down. So that's part of the process of creating an audiobook. Um, by and large, if any book that has a strong narrative, though, is a good candidate for an audiobook.
1: And do people read their own books or do they hire somebody to read the book?
2: That's always a funny question. I get asked that probably more than anything else. Uh, I have most authors come to me, and they'll say, I want to find out how I'm going to narrate my own audiobook. And then after they find out the process, and they actually find out that it will cost more in time and investment than having a professional narrator do it, then they become very open to having a narrator do it for them. Uh, It really depends on the author. If the author has a very large following, you know, Brene Brown, or there's somebody um, iconic who is really, their voice is associated with their brand in such a way that you cannot pull the two apart. Um, Then it becomes really important for them to narrate their own book. However, for the average nonfiction author, and most of the folks out there, um, it, it really doesn't make an impact in the sales whether they narrate the book or somebody else does. The difference is, can do they have a narrator that is a high quality enough and b that can really own the material and that's one of the things that we're known for i still have final say in all of the audition process for every single one of my books because one of the things i'm personally known for is being able to find narrators who are not only a good vo- vocal match for the narrator but all or for the author rather but who are also a good energetic match for the material and who can really own the material so that when someone's saying it to you, it doesn't come across as a monotone or weird. They put all the emphasis where it needs to be.
1: I'm super curious. Do people actually practice their script before they do it, like an actor, or do they just sit down and read the book and then, and then it works? They read it from start to finish?
2: No, it requires a tremendous amount of rehearsal. It really <laughs> does. <laughs> you do not just sit down and read your book into a computer. And unfortunately, I have run into that conversation several times. Voice acting is just that it is acting. And narration is a subset of that entire industry. And that's actually how I came into this specialty. I've been building businesses for decades, but I was a voice actor as a paid hobby. And I was taking master classes in audiobook narration to feed my soul. And also because, like most entrepreneurs, I have a hard time having a hobby that doesn't make an income. So every time I start a hobby, I turn it into a business. And that's what happened here, is I saw the disconnect between the audiobook industry when I learned the back end of that industry. And all my clients and colleagues who were producing these incredible nonfiction books but had no idea that creating an audiobook was even an option to them. So after I you know, learned this and and piloted and did market research and really found out what people knew and didn't know, uh, I launched these done-for-you audiobook production and publishing services and it grew so quickly it took over about 75% of my business.
1: That is amazing. That is really, really cool. I don't think people realize how, I know, I didn't realize how complex it was to make an audiobook.
2: It's it a is a very common misconception, and, and a lot of the professional speakers who come to me, they'll really feel like, okay, you know, I've got this. You don't have to tell me anything, and then they get into it, and they go, wow, this is really going to help my speaking business because we're able to train them in certain ways that they would never get as a stage speaker or they would never get even as a podcaster. Um, and I just I just recently spoke at a couple of events on the topic of Creating trust and confidence in your audience using your voice, because you know what most people don't realize is that we are hardwired to listen to certain vocal qualities as trustworthy, as credible. Um, and, and actually, there's been some really interesting research done on that that shows that certain vocal qualities are associated even with higher income, more likelihood of getting certain jobs, uh, all kinds of things. It's, it's really quite fascinating.
1: That is so cool because you've got to vary your pace and your pitch and your tone and remember to pause and let people absorb I could totally see that that is super cool exactly
2: exactly I have a hard time with that last one the pause part
1: Oh me too <laughs> I'm all about productivity <laughs> the faster it gets done the better so <laughs> that's my number one feedback slow down so slow speaking. Down speaking of speaking, let's talk about recording podcasts. I know I use something called free conference call, which is sometimes a little quirky. Is there a better tool that can provide better quality?
2: Yes, and I'm super glad you asked me that because particularly with business podcasts, I see this a lot. Folks who use free conference just not knowing that there are some other options that are so much better. And when you're dealing with a, what we call a single input, just audio, your audio quality needs to be higher than when you have audio and video together. So I can get away with, on a, on a YouTube video, having my audio quality be not quite as good because my visual cues are going to make up for that. And given the choice between video uh, between a visual cue – And an audio cue, a human being will always go with the visual. That's how we're wired. That's just part of our brain neurology. However, when you're dealing with just audio, your audio quality needs to be higher because you're going to be just paying attention to that single input and you're going to hear the little bit of hiss. You're going to have to listen a little bit harder. You're going to have to put more energy into getting everything you can out of that audio. So if the audio is better, the listener doesn't have to work as hard, even on a subconscious level. And that's a more relaxing experience for the listener, and they'll get more out of it. So the two things that I recommend that you do to get audio quality and make it easy, make it affordable, make it really uh, productive, as you said, One is to use Zoom, and the other is to use Skype, but with a recorder software. For Mac, it would probably be Ecamm, E-C-A-M-M. Or for PC, you can use something called Talk Helper, T-A-L-K, Helper. And those will allow you, if you're doing an interview show, to record the audio. You can also record video uh, at the same time with Skype. But Zoom is actually my favorite option because you can record separate audio tracks for each of the two people. And that makes it easier in post-production to change individual volume levels so everything matches, makes it easier to edit, all of that good stuff. The only thing that is absolutely crucial in both of these cases, whether you're using Skype or you're using Zoom, is that you have to have an external microphone do not use the onboard microphone on your computer. And it can be a simple headset, or it can be a standalone microphone. There's a bunch of different options. But even if you're using a, a headset that is just okay, that's still going to be better than your onboard microphone. So that's really important to know in both cases.
1: So basically plug something into the computer if, you're not, if you don't have a handheld microphone. Is that what you mean by external microphone?
2: Yes, it has usually a USB microphone of some kind. Most people have a headset that fits over your ears and then has a microphone that comes across the mouth. You can use one of those, or you can use a podcasting microphone like the Audio-Technica 2100. Uh, That's the one I would probably recommend. I used to use something called a Blue Yeti, but the Yeti actually picks up a ton of room noise. I use it for voice acting, so I wanted a very sensitive mic that would pick up every single emotional nuance. Most podcasters don't need that. So you can use something like the Audio-Technica, which will only be 50 or $60, and you're going to have a microphone that is going to give you significantly better quality. And a lot of the Plantronics or, or MPOW headsets that you'll find simply on Amazon will also give you very decent quality.
1: Very cool. So once you use a Zoom or a Skype, I'm assuming you can make an MP3 file, and then can you edit that in the software i use is called audacity or do we need
2: fancy audacity, software audacity yes no audacity is one of my best friends i still use audacity even even after i have access to a lot of different fancy software i go back to audacity because it has all the tools i need it's very simple to use i tell people it's like a cross between microsoft word and the old-fashioned boom boxes we used to have them in the 1980s. So it, it becomes really easy just to bring your audio tracks into there and quite literally play with them uh, until they sound the way you want them to sound. And it's um, you don't really need a lot of training to figure that out. And I love that it's free software.
1: And it's simple. I totally agree. It's one of my best friends. Are you ready for the fun question everybody gets on the show?
2: Ooh, what's that?
1: Tina, if you had one more hour in your day, so 25 hours instead of 24 every single day, how would you spend your extra hour?
2: You're gonna laugh at me. Maybe. You're totally gonna laugh at me. Okay. Well, let me,
1: let me just give you a tip. Most people think I'm <laughs> most people think I'm fishing for some sort of productivity answer, and it's no, not I'm, at No, I'm all. not gonna give you that. It's not productivity. <laughs> how would you spend it? No,
2: this this is really how I would spend it. Um, okay. So something that I'm known for at certain events uh, of, of my friends is for running something called Transformational Karaoke. And this goes right along with my commitment to people to unleash their voices in the world. And it is such a fabulous thing to do with a group of people And many of the folks I I take out to these things have never been in karaoke. They think it's going to be lame, all of those other stuff. And then they have this experience of having a breakthrough in self-expression that they've never had before. And um, if I had an extra hour a day, I would actually be setting up more of those events at at more venues to to help people have these breakthroughs in their self-expression so that they can get their voices out into the world more effectively.
1: That's perfect, and I am laughing because it sounds super fun, and I wish I could be part of that.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'll definitely invite you. Absolutely.
1: That does sound super fun. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that I didn't think to ask you?
2: I think the only thing that I would add would be that um, a lot of folks don't think that they don't like the sound of their own voice. And they don't realize that their voice is a set of muscles just like anything else. And you can change your vocal quality. And if you gave your voice the same attention that you would, say, working out or taking care of your health in some way, you probably find that you can develop it in ways that you never even imagined and make yourself more effective as a speaker, as a podcaster, even as a leader in your or even as a job seeker, some you know if you're out there doing interviews and you want to make sure you land the job, your vocal quality can make a huge difference on that. So that is something I want people to consider as they're out in the world and know that it can be changed.
1: So give us an example. how can you practice that muscle?
2: Well I'll give you a simple example. Um, when I was there are a number of vocal qualities as I mentioned before that are shown to be highly correlated with people's perception of trust and confidence and your own credibility. And one of those is articulation. And articulation is how clearly you say your words. A really simple way to become more articulate without becoming over-practiced in your articulation is to do something that I call slow your roll. And for for example, with podcasters, many podcasters, they'll have a guest on the show And they don't necessarily take the time because we're busy and all of that to practice the intro for their guest or they don't necessarily practice the questions that they're going to ask because we're busy and, you know, it's conversational. However, a way that you can elevate your skills in this is to go ahead and very clearly, for example, if you were to take um, a guest bio. And read it out loud very clearly and very concisely, but also very slowly. Doing it, reading through it that way, even just two or three times, and then letting it go, practice slow, then let it go, will result in a much more articulate, much more natural flow when you read it for real. It's one of the techniques we use when we're practicing audiobook narration. So slow your roll, practice slow, and let it go. And that results in a much more articulate delivery. Works for speeches, it works for meetings, it even works if you're planning on having a difficult conversation with an employee or a team member. Um, And so that's just one tip. Um, Tempo, flow, sonority, and vocal pitch all figure into these different factors that affect your credibility. Your leadership, your trustworthiness, and in, in terms of how people perceive you. There's more as well.
1: Wow, those are really good ideas. This has been just. Packed full of really great ideas that I'm going to implement myself, and I'm sure the listeners can benefit as well. Tina, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today. Lots of great tools, lots of great tips. Listeners, I am looking to fill one more vacancy in my CEO Inner Circle private group. This is by invitation only, so if you're serious about growing your business, past the million dollar level just let me know nancy at nancygaines.com we can jump on a call and see if this is a good fit for you if you loved our show please subscribe rate and review on itunes it helps other people find us and benefit and until next time go out and gain the advantage
0: you've been listening to the nancy Gaines show where you can gain the advantage to schedule a vip strategy day or speed consulting session with nancy connect with her on her website nancygaines.com that's nancy dot scom on twitter nancy l games and on linkedin nancy gains be sure to check back on nancy's website for new episodes Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.